0: All right, it's another episode of the Pin High podcast presented by Golficity. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about Rory's win at the Wells Fargo down at Quail Hollow. We also got probably our biggest guest yet in Joe LaCava, um, Tiger Woods' caddy, if you don't know him otherwise. Also, uh, Freddie Couples, 2019 inductee into the Caddy Hall of Fame, all that jazz. Uh, So that's a really good interview. It's 38 minutes, really good content. Uh, And then we're going to look ahead to the AT&T Byron Nelson with some DraftKings and betting picks. So let's get into it. All right. So we probably should have seen this coming. Um, Rory obviously makes the comeback at Quail Hollow. For his third, for first uh, course, he's won three times at.
1: Yeah, something about the golf course Quahog just Rory, fits Rory's game very well. Um, he had a good week. Um, I mean, last week I picked Rory top twenty. I was a little hesitant to do that, but I was like, you know what, he's going to finish in the top twenty at least, right? Like this course, he's amazing at, and he just goes and just wins it all. So,
0: and of course, you two win your best bets. I lose, but we're on to three skins next week for
2: uh for the ATT. I was going to say all, all my picks last week were very very close like like was some- close to winning. Answer was close to winning. Harmon played well.
1: I had the high highs and the low lows. Obviously, yeah, top exactly. twenty who won. I had a Luke List who was six sixty eight in DraftKings. He finished t T six, I believe.
0: So, i I'm pissed. I tried to um, I tried to invest in him in that like jock market app, but then I ended up like losing during like the bidding period. I think I would have made like
1: some good money off of him. Um, yeah, I but, mean, yeah, he I lost it. Hit the golf course really well. Um, played well, and now his DraftKings salary this week's like in the mid 800, eight thousand So. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: Yeah, Rory, Rory. Rory won there. That was his first win too. I think at Quill hollow was well, his third, third one no, 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 It was. Oh. It was his first. Like that's where his first win was. Oh, that, oh yeah. That's that yes. his
1: first career PGA Tour win. Yes, was- gotcha. That's, that's that's what I meant.
2: Correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So it's, he obviously he loves the course, and yeah, we, we right. We should have kind of expected him to first win as a dad. Come on, strong. Yes, yeah, true. That that was cool seeing his oh, wife and uh, Kevin state yeah, His his uh.
0: His, uh his daughter was not having it after no, the are crying. No. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, as a baby would, well, when a bunch of people are yelling
2: <laughs> and, and, and Rory, like he almost like, he almost choked at the end too. Like he hit the Absolutely ball, like in like the hazard, like, mm-hmm. like, like dropped out of it. And then you're thinking like, okay, all you have to do is make bogey. So he gets like, like people, they were saying on the broadcast, like has to hit short of the green, uh, and then like up hope to get up and down but then he hits a great shot like pit hole high and easily two putts for for, pot, for bogey which whichever. is huge if you,
1: if you rewind before that he was like going through like all the things he could do he's like oh i could hit it this way and like get it out in the fairway i could hit it like all the way left try to get it on the like thing and i'm like dude just take a drop like, like yeah that's the easiest thing to do and like all, obviously-
2: all i had to do is make bogey
1: his caddy, Harry Diamond. Uh, no relation to Pat. Uh, maybe related huh? to You don't, don't know. I we have, have a lot lead. of relatives. Answers. Ancest, um, yeah, we he, never know. He made the call. He's like, "Listen, just drop it. Like, that's probably your best best opportunity here." And you know, that that was definitely it was the smart. One. Yeah, it was definitely smart. To do I that. was waiting but for the, him to do something dumb. So, and <laughs> leader I, leaderboard
2: was pretty good though. It was like it was him and Keith Mitchell, obviously at the top, and then Answer Hovland right there. Uh, Gary Woodland was kind of, we haven't heard about him from him in a long time. So he was kind of back in the mix a little bit uh, down the stretch. Little,
0: he was a little tough. It's, yeah, he was, it he wasn't apart. as
2: great down the stretch, but he was like, he was right there. And like at the start, uh, yeah, and your guy, Saturday. Abraham,
1: Abraham answer just played lights out again. Anser, yeah, I
2: is an, Answer is awesome. I love, I love watching him play. I don't he's, know if you guys he's, are he's watching. He's going to win soon. He's going to win
1: soon. I, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on that
0: 17th hole. He part three, like where you're going to have to give that like swooping draw and, I thought he was about to hole it. Like it was, it was such a good shot.
2: Yeah, yeah he his too. his irons are unbelievable. And uh, I, yeah, like I said, I love watching him play. I think he's gonna win soon. I wouldn't even be surprised if he won next week at Kiowa too. Like he could, he he's gonna win a tournament, big tournament soon. I guess
1: <laughs> a lot of big guys got cut this week. um I mean, Tringali, who we were all high on last week, got cut. Cantley got cut again. Um I think John Rahm missed um his first cut twenty two two um twenty-two straight. So
2: Oh does that uh, I mean Joachim Neiman now. has the he's rock jo- Joachim has the cut streak now. He has the cut streak
1: now. He's yeah. he out. Torres got cut. Um I think you and yeah. that. So a lot of big guys got cut this week. So it wasn't an easy course to play at um
2: obviously, yeah.
1: And, and uh and then one last thing I wanted to say about that is uh the whole Bryson DeChambeau thing. He thought he got cut on on Tuesday. He flew that's crazy. He was like, and he was on the plane and he's like, Oh crap. Like I made the cut. <laughs> so he had to, um, get like, I think he said he had got on a 2. A.M. Flight 2 45. To- well, we got, we well, also- got a workout in. Yeah. Yeah. Workout. He
2: posts like a picture like, I'll see you in Charlotte tomorrow. It's like, thir- it's like Friday afternoon or Friday night
0: <laughs> The guys um, dedicated to to the pump.
1: Didn't he shoot like four under yeah. that next day? Yeah, like three under. Time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's insane. He ended only up, he
2: would do that. Uh, only uh, he could do that. Like sense. do something like that. Okay. Get on a flight. Like come back, work out, and so shoot four under.
0: It made me wonder though. So, I was I was thinking about this. He got to the to the uh, to the course on Saturday morning, like just in time to like you know like roll some putts, get to the range. D- he didn't do like I feel like he usually has this whole routine but he just comes out kind of doesn't think as much because a lot of people are like, Oh, Bryson's like in his own head. I don't yeah. know. It makes you, makes you wonder if he, if, if
2: that if, does, I mean, it makes you wonder. I think also like, I mean, obviously if he was in contention, he would have warmed up and stayed and never done that. But like, I right. feel like also I feel just like no, there wasn't any pressure on him to do well. or anything like that either, which is maybe, maybe kind of helped as well. But no, I, I agree with the, like he's kind of going out there with like a free mind. Like I'm just going to play golf. Yeah. Like he has no care in the world. He's not going to unless he shoots like eight under or something like that. He's not going to be in contention really. So
0: exactly. And then that's, last that, thing I want to see at least. Last thing I want to mention. Uh We talked about Abraham answer almost holding out on seventeen or kinda, but Richie Worenski. I feel like we have to yeah. mention that.
2: That was oh, yeah. Fourteenth hole. Fourteenth hole. Yeah. yeah. par four. Just like and, it's, and he like it. It bounces like like it could have like easy if it was like an inch to like the left i think it would be it would be like you could, could have like just dropped in the hole right there for a hole. it had a
0: little too much heat on it would have had yeah. to hit it like directly in the middle but yeah
2: i
1: mean like I that, like
0: that, I could, that was that
2: was still an unbelievable
1: his name shot. comes up a lot on like i think he has a couple hole in ones like in the, in the oh bottom. yeah so like his name comes up a
2: he's lot. definitely he, he, he's definitely the kind of guy who you don't hear of like ever and then you ever every now and then he has a hole in one and a major or something like that that you just like out of nowhere
0: I swear I have more of a chance of like a hitting like a hole in one on like the par fours at Silvermine than than the, the par threes. threes. I've like <laughs> yeah. I've come like I've on on one of the holes. I put a I put it to like three feet and then tapped in for Eagle. And I feel yes, like I haven't had a tap in birdie on any of the par threes. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So any other Wells Fargo things before we get into the interview?
2: No. Um
0: all right. Well, I mean, good, no. this interview was awesome. I mean, like, you Amazing. kind of had to imagine. So Jeek said this after the interview. He's like, an interview is only as good as like who you're interviewing, because like nobody wants to hear like us talk the whole time. And you know, that wasn't an issue like Joe Lukava had a bunch of good stories. Um, you know, yeah, a bunch of good insight were... just on whatever we wanted to know about, which was Endless. We could, asked I probably, we, we could have,
2: we could have talked for two hours. About, oh yeah. Uh, like after the, the interview, golf, over. everything.
0: I don't know how much you clipped in Jeek, but before the episode, like we were, we were talking uh, before we like actually started, but I think we might have clicked that in yeah, after the interview we were talking. So like just all around,
2: uh, everything He's a, 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 like amazing guy. And he said he'd be, he'd be down to play golf with us this summer if we wanted to. So we might get on the court. going to have to take you up on that one. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, right before we get into the into the episode, we're going to kind of cash in here. You take, take advantage. Roback, you see J- Cheek wearing the hat. You see me wearing the hat. You've seen us wearing the polos, the quarter zips. I wear my hat every day. Every they, day. Ju- they just sent me uh, the the destination collection Peaches polo. Uh, added a little note congratulating uh, us on graduating uh so yeah, uh fifteen percent off in the Instagram uh in the Instagram link. Yeah, no, in bio.
1: It, it goes in the YouTube uh description as well. It's 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 everywhere. You can find it.
0: Yeah, and then so you just add you something add to some. your cart. It's not like a it's not a uh code. You just add to your cart, you got fifty percent off. Let's do Jill Kaba. Love the setup in the back
3: well yeah. i'm trying to hide a little bit because it's all here and i'm like i don't want to be like overdone with it so <laughs> just do like a little of it yeah, yeah. Perfect. Gotcha. it's the only room i have otherwise i'd have something else i don't know how to do the background thing my daughter does all that stuff for me
2: oh yeah yeah <laughs> greg does a lot of that for the podcast yeah. <laughs> too
0: old
3: for that kind of stuff i can uh, barely do this you guys all golfers or my
0: I- uh Trevor's the only
3: actual like <laughs> competitive golfer, I'd say. Okay. Uh, I'm sure
2: my dad's told you, for, yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I know he says you're a pretty good stick. I mean, you know, like all dads would, but he didn't go over crazy. But I know, I know he can play, so I figured you can play.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a three, I'm a three handicap. That'll work. Yeah.
3: I don't know about the Chicago Bulls stuff up here, though. Oh, well, that's
2: that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you next fan?
3: <laughs> well, I grew up, you know. I'm not, I'm a little sour on the NBA with all this going on. I just didn't you know, yeah. have had enough of LeBron James, but I grew up a Knicks fan, but way back in the day with Ewing, Starks, you know, all those kind of guys. And I kind of lost interest, but I'm mean, a huge Rangers, Giants, and Yankees fan.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. And I are big giants and, uh, and Yankees fans. So well,
3: <laughs> yeah, we're, on our, we're on our way and tonight should be a good game. You guys saw what happened in the Ranger game two nights ago. I
1: did. I'm oh, an yeah. Islanders fan, but I did see what happened and oh, I'm, yeah going to be tuning in because I think there might be a line brawl at the beginning of the game
3: be right I figured maybe the caps will bag out and not even play Wilson but I'm hoping they do and hope something happens yeah so do I
1: and I don't know if you saw this but like
0: literally like five minutes ago they fired their uh, their GM and their president, president. I think yeah. right
3: the Rangers the caps did the no Rangers.
0: The, the Rangers
3: wait a second seriously yeah
1: yeah they um, fired the GM and who else and the president,
3: president. Uh, John Davidson
1: yep yeah had nothing to do with the Tom Wilson thing. Like I think it just had Jeff Gordon and and John Davison both fired.
3: Wow, I did not see that. I was actually, I don't want to sound like a big shot. I was texting JD last night trying to figure out how the (laughs) guy didn't get suspended or whatever. And he was just texting me back normally. I don't know. Wow, I did not hear that. That's a bummer. He's a personal friend.
1: Yeah, wow, that's crazy. I don't know why they did that. I'm sure we'll yeah. find out at some point, but well, yeah. they probably want Drury to take
3: over. I can see that because Gordon's pretty old, but mm-hmm. I'm surprised with the JD move. But, anyways, anyway,
0: we kind of just got- we can clip all this in like we got Joe Likava here, um, you know, 2019 inductee, Caddy Hall of Fame, local Connecticut guy like ourselves, um, Caddy for a lot of PGA Tour players, you probably know, DJ Freddie Couples. Right now, Tiger Woods. Um, So just thanks for coming on in general. Um, I guess my first question would be kind of like, so me and Trevor have like grown up caddying a lot. And obviously like a lot of people do that and they don't, you know, make it an occupation and a career. So kind of how, where did you find that? Like, what what moment did you know that that was going to be your career?
3: Great question. You know, I didn't grow up, I grew up caddying a little bit, like on weekends, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, caddy-type golf courses around here. I grew up in Newtown, Connecticut, and I was just caddying like member guests and member members, and I always enjoyed it, but I always did it because, A, I like golf, and B, I like the cash, right? I mean, it's a pretty nice way to make a living over a weekend, You know, meeting some nice guys, and like you said, you're outdoors and you're kind of caddying in a game that you love. So I always enjoyed that part of it, but I was never like, you know, that was going to be my career kind of thing. Um, and I caught a break. For me, it was easy. Uh, my cousin is Ken Green, who's from Danbury, Connecticut. And I always used to work the Westchester Classic back in the day. I would take one week off out of the summer of my summer job growing up, high school and college, and work for him over to Westchester Classic. And you know, working—I was just a bag totter I wasn't doing anything. I was just trying to stay out of the way more than anything else. But you're working for your cousin. He's playing in a pro event. You're having a great time. Again never thought I was going to go to West Con and get, you know, there's no such thing as a caddy degree. You know, I went to school and got a finance degree. Um, and then when I got out of school, Ken asked me if I wanted to caddy a few weeks uh, on the West Coast. And I said, yeah, I'd love to, kidding me? And my very first week was the Tournament of Champions out in Carlsbad. I'll never forget my first day paired we with Tom Kite. So I was nervous just to stay out of his way. Um, and then we're driving, literally driving from Carlsbad to Palm Springs, California. And Ken asked me to do it full time. And like I said, I'd just gotten out of school. I didn't have any obligations at home. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Why wouldn't I? And I was hooked. I was hooked that day. But the day I really became hooked is when I worked my first Ryder Cup in 1989. And I said, you know, I, if I could work these every two years for the rest of my life, all would be good.
2: That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Um, Ryder so like,
2: Cup yeah. definitely seems like a kind of place for... Like, you know, you made it, you know, you
3: don't want to do anything else with your life. Right. And it's a special event for us because, you know, all week, all year long, you're trying to beat the guys individually. And now you come to a team event. And at the time, I think I'm 24, 25 years old. So I grew up, even though I played golf growing up, I played a lot of team sports as well, like football and basketball. So it's all for me about the team. So now all of a sudden you're in a room with 11 other guys, 11 other caddies in your team and you're trying to beat the Europeans. It's a, I can't even tell you how great that event is. Even though we haven't won many lately, it's still a fun event.
0: Yeah. So was that just like a learn on the go type of thing? Just, you know, becoming like your your cousin's like full-time caddy? Was it just learning from him, learning just from
3: doing it? No, not a good question. Same thing. Yeah, learn on the go. He kind of taught me the ropes. And I would always pay attention to other caddies. Um, you know, Bruce Edwards, who's also a Connecticut guy, unfortunately passed away. Uh, You know, very famous caddy worked for Tom Watson and Greg Norman. He kind of took me under his wing. I think he knew I was from Connecticut. So he kind of, you know, like I said, took took the time to teach me the ropes, so to speak. You know, when you first get out there, when I first got there in 1987, I got to know years later all the guys and became very friendly with everyone. But when you first come out, they're not that friendly. You know, they see a guy maybe taking a bag away from them, an opportunity away from them, and they're always looking at, you know, you because they they find out that you went to college because back then there weren't a lot of college grads not that i'm smarter than anybody else but there just wasn't kind of the mo of the guys back then um so they weren't they weren't unfriendly but they certainly didn't make an effort to be friendly kind of thing and then once you get out there and prove that you're an okay guy i guess they accept you a little bit more but like i said bruce taught me a lot as well
1: Right. So in 1990, you made the jump to Fred Couples' bag. Um, how did that kind of like come along? Like, was there a previous relationship or did someone recommend you?
3: I think, you know, Ken put a good word in for me because at the end of 89, he decided to bring his brother out um, who was out of work at the time and had a wife and a couple of kids. So I understood that completely. Um, so I know Ken put a good word in for me in 1988, backing up about a year and a half um, tiger uh, not tiger off. Uh, Ken went over to Japan, and he played in a big tournament over there called the Dunlop Phoenix, and Fred was over there solo as well as myself. And so we just kind of hung out together all week. There wasn't much to do back then in Japan, so you would just sit at the hotel, have spaghetti spaghetti and meatballs kind of thing. And we'd hang out every night and play ping pong. So we got to know each other, but that was only one week. Ironically enough, Ken ended up beating Fred in the playoff that week. Um, so come full circle about a year and a half later – I approached Fred at the end of the season and asked him if I could do, you know, have a chance. The rumor was going around that he was working with other guys throughout the year because him and his guy split in May, I think, May or June of 89. And he was hoping to find someone in 89 to go full-time in 1990. But I was working for Ken. Like I said, everything was going well. Um, so I didn't really give it a second thought. And then obviously Fred made the Ryder Cup team as well as Ken. So, again, a few more days with Fred. But not like I said, they had enough stuff to do. We weren't really hanging out with each other. But we got to know each other a little bit. And then he gave me a chance of a lifetime. He gave me a four-week little stint on the West Coast, Uh, got really fortunate. I think he had three top tens and a win. Uh, The running joke for me is, you know, back then in 1989, you guys have no idea what it's like, but there's no cell phones. Mm -hmm. So I had to call the guy and leave a message. And that was a big deal for a guy to have an answering machine back in 1989. And I remember I was down in Florida at the time, but I came up for Christmas time to my parents' house and I told my dad who couldn't stand talking on the phone because he worked in a bank and all he did was talk to people all day. So that was the last thing he wanted to do at night. And I told him, you know, we need to get an answering machine. Cause I said, I think this guy's may not call me back but if he does call me back, he's only gonna call once. And my dad's like, well, you're on your own if you wanna get an answering machine. So I ended up getting the answering machine but I got lucky one night we were all home having dinner. Fred calls, my dad answers the phone. Cause he said before, before he even got to the phone he says, I think Fred's on the phone. I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. <laughs> And sure enough, he picks up the phone, which he never ever does, and says, "Hey, Fred, how are you?" They start talking for four or five minutes. I'm like, "Oh my god, it is Fred!" And so my dad's over there. I'm in the kitchen looking at him. I'm like, "Dad, I think the I think the call is for me. How about you know giving it up and you know stop chatting with the guy?" And like I said, he gave me the four week trial. He won one of the tournaments, and you know, I never looked back. I never really asked him to this day. He never said you're hired. He just wrote me a check and said, "I'll see you in Miami."
2: That's awesome. And yeah. so speaking of Fred, I heard a little bit of the story from my dad, um, 19, 1992 Masters, 12th hole. How does that ball stay up on the on the ledge?
3: Right. You Obviously, a break of a lifetime, you know, something we'll never forget. Um, I always say, you know, you know, good things happen to good people. And Fred's one of the best guys. Everyone loves Fred. Um, but We didn't finish on Saturday afternoon. We didn't finish the third round. Big storm blew through we had, I think, four holes to play on Sunday morning. So we go play the four holes on Sunday morning, and then fast forward to later that day, we get to the 12th hole. And I tell people, you know, the, almost a the bigger miracle for me is the fact that, you know, first of all, Fred doesn't miss hit very many shots, and he kind of miss hit that one. And as he miss hits it, it's kind of fading and fading. And As people know, we'll watch Augusta, Race Creek kind of goes this way. So the further right you hit it, the further carry is. So I thought to myself with balls in the air, knowing that he missed it at a hair, that there's no way it was going to get over the creek. And then to see it land on the bank, and then obviously to see it stay up was incredible. Obviously, the break of a lifetime. Um, but the rumor goes around later in the day is the fact that they got so much rain on Saturday afternoon with that big storm that when they sent the guys out to mow the bank, guys were slipping and they thought it was unsafe. They didn't want anyone to get hurt, obviously. So they called off the mowers. And like I said, it's only a rumor I've never confirmed, but the rumor is they never mowed the bank that morning. So again, you know, one of these break of a lifetime and it was awesome.
0: Yeah. So even that shot itself, like, how do you approach that as like a caddy and a player? Like, first of all, you don't want him to slip, but I guess the mowers took care of right. that. Right. Um, and like, second of all, you don't want him to like step around the ball, potentially have it move because the fact that that ball even stayed up in general, let alone right. standing next to it.
3: Right. Well, we approached the shot, you know, the cardinal rule is basically, you know, if you've got a lead, if you're in the lead or near the lead or whatever, and you've got that back right pit on 12, as you know, you're looking at the tongue of the bunker. So you're looking at the middle of the bunker. And this way here, it gives you room if you come up short to hit it in that bunker, which I think is not a bad play. Not that you're trying to get that close to the water. But if you do come up short in that bunker, it's not bad at all. Um, I think it gives you, the obviously, the most room left and right and a little room past the hole. So you've got the most green there if you're aiming at the center of the bunker. But Fred has always had a tendency, even you know, even as much as he wants to tell himself 100 times I'm going here, he knows where that pin is. And he's always going to kind of go out to the pin. That's just how he does it. Um, and thankfully, you know, most of the time it works out. And this time, for a while it didn't work out, but then obviously it worked out. Um, what was the other part of the question?
0: <laughs> uh, just like how do you approach oh, yeah, like, yeah. the shot once, once it's there?
3: Well, that's, So we go up there and we're kind of tiptoeing around. So I stayed up on the green. And Fred's down at the ball, kind of surveying the situation. He says, well, you're coming down. I need a club. I said, well, yeah, no kidding. You need a club. I know what it is. It's a 60 degree. I said, but here's the deal. I weigh about 205 and the wag- bag weighs about 50 pounds. I'm not coming down there. I'm not going to be the reason you lose a green jacket here. You're coming up here. You grab the wedge and do your thing. So I didn't go anywhere near the ball. I wasn't worried about slipping. I was act, like, you said, worried about too much pressure on the ground and having that ball fall back to work. It was literally hanging on by a thread on that piece of grass.
0: Yeah, I was surprised he even like just the nonchalance we were watching the video before this was so just like the nonchalance he had just like standing next to the ball It was making me nervous, even though I knew yeah. what happened.
3: I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you know, you have to take your time. But at the same time, why don't we go down there and hit this thing and get it up on the green and get this thing over with instead of kind of lily-daling it around. And that's the thing about Fred. He's just that way. What you see is what you get. And that's just how he is. I tell people the same thing. If you were playing a practice round on Tuesday there, that's a very simple chip for a pro. Sunday afternoon, when he's trying to win your first major in the Masters, different story. But like you said, he was very casual about it. And then yeah, I think you you probably saw him grabbing the ball out of the water. I don't think they showed that with the video, and it was said Ian Woosnam on it because back then Woosnam won the won the uh, Masters the year before, so he was one of the first guys to have his name on the ball. Right. So I think it said Woozy on it, a little Max flight. And Fred <laughs> looked at it and chucked it back in the water. It's kind of funny.
2: Uh so you said like. Uh... Fred's kind of like that calm, like calm, nonchalant, like even in that situation like that, trying to win his first major. So like, obviously you're on, on the bag with Davis Love and DJ and even like Tiger. Like how, how are all those guys like different in terms of like your, like what you had to do or in their style, like of playing and like what you had to do in terms of like advice or something like that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I tell people the same thing. I think the catting part's pretty easy, you know, picking up on how they play and how far they hit and stuff like that. Yeah, it takes time to adjust to that. I get it. And the guys will give you time to adjust to it. Um, but I think it's you know, just the different personalities and what they're looking for out there. You know, I tell people the same thing. Like when I work for Fred, you know, on the range, he's the first guy that comes on the range. He's looking for people to shake hands with, talk about the game last night, yuck it up the whole nine yards, and then he'll hit 10 balls. I'll go over and talk to two more guys and come back to the ball and stuff like that. He just likes to float around the range. I think that's just nervous energy for him. And then, you know, you fast forward and you work for a guy like Tiger, you, know, you got to be ready. You know, you're behind the bag. He may say out of the blue, where's the pin on six? Where's the pin on nine? Where are we going to hit off the tee on 14 today? The wind has changed. It's coming out of the east. So that means we're probably going to need to hit a driver off number three. So Tiger will go through not the entire golf course, but he'll get a game plan on the range, what he's going to do that day. You have to be ready. And you have to be sharp. And you have to know what's going on. But I had to go from that, from 20 years of Fred Couples, of just sitting on the range thinking to myself, oh, my God, is this guy going to stop talking and hit some balls and concentrate on the round? But Fred will concentrate as soon as he gets on the first tee. And as soon as he taps out an 18, he's done for the day. He doesn't want to think about golf the rest of the day until the next morning when he has to play. Tiger's 24-7. You know, He'll text me at night and stuff, go over strategy for the next day and stuff like that. So it's always you're always adjusting to their personalities. But like I said – The catting part is easy. Even adjusting to the guys is easy. But you have to know when to pick them up, when not to pick them up, when to say something, not to say something. I tell people the same thing. I try in a tight moment to loosen the guy up most of the time. And it usually does. I'll try to say something funny. It may not even be that funny, but the guys will appreciate what I'm trying to do. Uh, One time it did backfire me with Fred. One time you know, he was struggling. He was actually hitting the ball very well, but struggling to make it a putt. Couldn't make a putt. It seemed like he had a 15-footer every hole for birdie, and he was making, you know, 20% of them. And uh, so he called me over for a read kind of latest in the round. He says, what do you think here? And I said, what do I think? I think I wish I was putting for you today. And I thought he was going to smile and laugh and break things up, but he, you know, he got fired up and mad as if to say, listen, I know I'm struggling with the putter. Now I don't want to hear it from you. My caddy was supposed to be on my side. But most of the time it lightens them up and they have a little fun with it and it keeps them looser
2: didn't yeah. make a hot putt after you said that of course not.
3: they never <laughs> go like that. It never works out that way i can promise you that whenever you miss a club a guy and he gets over the green or short of the green they never make the seven footer it's just just how it is <laughs> that's
0: hilarious um so like when you make that switch to tiger in 2011 he gives you a call first of all were you expecting the call like what was your like formal or like prior relationship with him and like what was going through your mind when he's telling you, like, I want you on the bag right now?
3: Um, I wasn't expecting a call, to be honest with you. You know, everyone knew Tiger was coming back and trying to come back. Um, and I was working for DJ at the time. Um, I first got the call from his agent, so I was surprised to hear from him, to be honest with you. Um, but obviously very excited when I heard from him. And then once I heard he was interested, you know, Mark, his agent, said, why don't you give Tiger a call? And you guys kind of discuss what, you know, whatever you got to discuss. And so I remember calling Tiger and we talked probably for 15 minutes. We had a really cool conversation. Um, We talked very little golf. We talked about, you know, the fact he has two kids, one of each. I have the same. Um, Both our dads, you know, passed away of cancer. So we had that in common. They both served in the Army. So we had a few things in common off the golf course, which we didn't really know until we talked. Um, But prior relationship, you know, not a ton you know, as you guys know, certainly back in Tiger's heyday, you know, his 20s and 30s, he's very focused. He's, he's friendly enough inside the ropes and he'll talk to you. And we played a few practice rounds with him uh, at Augusta every year because he kind of grew up idolizing Fred a little bit. And you know, he's a California guy. He'd come out to the LA Open and watch Fred. And Fred always had a lot of success there. So he's not only watching Fred, who's a guy who he likes, but he's watching Fred play well. Um, and so, like I said, we weren't tight by any means, but we knew each other a little bit, and. Uh, but to get that phone call to know that Tiger's interested, you know, incredible day for me. So cool.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, and obviously Caddying Tiger has a couple factors that are different from other golfers. Like um, are there certain factors like in terms of like crowd control and like just the fanfare around him that makes Caddying for Tiger harder than anyone else?
3: Yeah, I don't know if it makes it harder, but it makes it um, you gotta pay attention a little bit more. You know, we have great security on the tour. And we have local cops that follow us. So those guys are there to handle that. But, you know, as you know, if a shot goes offline, you got to get in there and kind of, you know, mingle with the crowd. And, and I'll be honest with you, I would say 99% of those guys, you know, are on Tiger's side. They're, they're rooting for them. They want to see them play well. They want to see them win. And we were just talking about that last week. You know, during, during the, the uh, pandemic, no crowds. And as you guys know, you guys probably watch it off TV and see it. We, we feed off that energy. So to not have any crowd, we miss them incredibly. Um, and so, like I said, you know, when, when Tiger's doing well, you can hear the roars all around the golf course. Obviously, it makes the tournament that much better, but it also helps us. It affects the other players because they know it's a Tiger roar. They might know it's an Eagle roar and stuff like that. So everyone always knows what Tiger's doing. A great example is 2018 at the PGA when Tiger made that run on the front nine, and almost caught Brooks Kepka. You know, Brooks is a, was a tough cookie, and he's not going to crumble or anything like that. It's not going to intimidate him. But knowing that Tiger's making a run versus someone else because Tiger's not going to back off, I think it affects guys. And I really think that helping that final pairing at the Masters, when we got to play with Molinari and Finau, when they moved the tee times up, went to a threesome instead of a twosome. So to play with the guys that are, are ahead of you is much tougher. When you're playing with Tiger, it's much tougher. To, you know be loose and play like you probably can.
0: Right. right. And that, and that, um, like, those fans are there, whether he's, you know, eight back or whether he's eight up on, on on a field. Do you think even on like a Saturday say or Sunday, say he's, you know, four four groups back from like the lead or something? Do you think the guys that you're playing with are still are like affected by it?
3: I think the guys that maybe are in the lead ahead of us know that somebody might make a charge. And if it's Tiger, we could have some issues here. You know, Tiger's a great front runner. Most of his terms, he's one is from being front, but he has one from behind. Um but like you said, the, even if Tiger's, you know, the fourth to last group it may maybe six shots back, he's probably going to have four or five times as many people following him as the leaders. That's just how the world works with him. Um, and, I, you know, for me, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, you get caught up in that world of having all those people around, you know, cheering you on, backing Tiger and stuff like that. It gives us a big edge, I think.
1: Right. So I was doing a little reading up and just kind of speaking of fanfare, um, is it true that you once gave a heckler $25 to leave a tournament?
3: <laughs> that, yeah, that's actually a true story. Um, I'll make it quick. But, anyways, we're at Firestone on 14, I believe. And Tiger Hit one way right. And we're probably, I don't know, 25th place. And it's Akron, it's August, whatever. It is hot. And, you know, he's having none of it because he hasn't been playing very well all day. And as you guys know, he owns that golf course. But if you get spraying a little bit, the course is very tight and you can shoot a number, never have a birdie opportunity all day. So Tiger's running hot and I'm trying to chase him down and he jumps under the ropes and some guy is all over him. I mean, he's two feet from, him. like I said, we have great security, but sometimes Tiger will just go under the ropes, try to get to his ball before security's near him or with him. And this guy's letting him have it. He's like, Tiger, you look a little, you know, look a little frustrated today. You look a little mad today. You look a little hot on the collar, the whole nine yards. So I let him have his little say for 20 or 30 seconds. And now he's really getting on him. He says, how about an autograph? Well, you don't look like you're in a mood for an autograph. Really wearing him out. And I said, hey, bud, here's the deal. You know, leave my guy alone. He goes, I can do whatever I want. I got a ticket here. I said, well, not really. I said, if it starts to affect my bottom line, because I get paid on how he performs, then we're going to have an issue here. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. He goes, I got a ticket here. Give me 25 bucks and I'll leave. And I said, done. If it If it's that easy. So, I dropped the bag down and I have a 20 and a five. I give it to him. So, he starts to head towards the 14th green. And I said, Oh, ho, ho, hang on, buddy. The exit's the other way. I don't need you up by the green harassing my guy because we're going the same direction. So, he turns around, goes the other way on the car path. And I get, he gets maybe five seconds later, 20 yards down the road. All I hear is dumbass. And I'm like, Oh, boy, here we go. So, like a dumbass, you know, I went and chased him down. And I said, Hey, bud, what's your problem? He said, You couldn't call me a dumbass to my face two seconds ago. He says, well, we're going to go right here. I said, no, I said, we're not going to go right here. But if I have to, sure, we'll we'll get after it. And then security came and broke it up. But the the funniest part was the next day there was some guy online, you know, people video everything. And uh, he said, what would you do if you were from Akron, Ohio, and you had an extra $25 in your pocket? And they, they showed him, there was a photo of him, I guess, I didn't realize this, but he had one of those lawn chairs and he said would you buy a new lawn chair or maybe you would get yourself a new you know adidas t-shirt because he had the sleeveless new the wife beater shirt on stuff like Ooh. that so they were just making fun of us so i thought that was really fun but yes i think i gave him 25 bucks to take a hike that's awesome that's,
2: worth it that's amazing yeah uh so you mentioned obviously Fino and Molinari in the final round 2019 uh what was going through like your mind and tiger's mind that final round like when specifically specifically when molinari hit in the water on 12 or like walking up 18
3: i'll back up we caught a break saturday night with the storms like i said the storms were predicted to be pretty bad on sunday afternoon um so for augusta to move the times up was kind of shocking to be honest with you because i think the ratings are the best late in the afternoon but maybe they figured. – I'm hoping they figured. A, let's get the people out of there so nobody gets in any trouble because these storms are supposed to be pretty bad. Mm. And, B, you know, Tiger's going to be in the last group. People are going to watch anyways, right? Even if it's in the morning versus the afternoon, they'll change their plans. So we go from twosomes, and we'd have been the second last group, to threesomes. So now we're in the last group with Molinari and Fino. I think that's a break for us because, like I said earlier – I don't think guys are going to play as well or be as comfortable if they're playing with Tiger versus not playing with Tiger. Now you got a huge crowd and you're watching what Tiger's doing versus instead you're in the last two. So I don't want to say no one watching you, but less people watching you. Um, so that was a break. Fast forward to 12 after you know, we have a iffy front nine, but you no know, decent front nine, and we're in the ball game. So we're coming down 11 after it, the second shot on the green, and I see Brooks dropping and Ian Poulter dropping, and I see Webb Simpson over the green. So my first thought is, and it's not that windy at the moment on number 11, but my first thought is, you know, Brooks Kepk is a world-class player. Ian Poulter is a very, very good player. Those guys didn't probably miss club, and they didn't miss hit a shot. I think there's just a tricky wind going on up there. So we had a little bit of a heads-up to that. It might be a tricky wind up there. We finish 11. Molnar has got the box on 12, and he takes out 8-iron. And we have already decided we're going to take 9-iron kind of left center of the green. So we've already got our game plan down. But then to go ahead and watch Molinari hit an 8-iron short in the water, he didn't catch it that great, but to know that he hit 8-iron in the water, now we're going to take one less club and try to get it on land. Now you're starting to think, all right, what's going on here? Do we have enough club? You're starting starting to have some second thoughts. To Tiger's credit, he hammered this thing, probably hit it a little further left than he wanted to, And as it's going up in there, you can see it stalling out a little bit and falling left. You can't feel that breeze at all on the tee. But now, obviously, we know what's up there and we know what happened to the other guys because if Tiger hit the 9-iron at the pin, based on the wind that we had, he would have never made it either. You just couldn't feel the wind at the time. It was crazy. Tiger hits it on the green, I don't know, 45, 50 feet left. Finau then goes ahead and hits 9-iron at the pin and hits it in the water. So we're catching breaks left and right because I think at the time we're a couple shots back. Um, Those guys both make double. You know, Tiger has probably 45 feet. He lags it down there, but he probably hits it eight, nine feet short. Molinari hit a decent ship to about 12 feet. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, is Molinari going to make this for four? Maybe Tiger misses and he makes four, and we all of a sudden make the same score. We're in my mind, as soon as Molinari hit in the, in the water before, and Tiger had the figure, we're automatically picking up two. To Tiger's credit, after Molinari misses his bogey putt, he knocks his nine-footer right in the middle. It's one of those putts where – I don't know if you can see as well on TV because there's no fans by the green, but if you don't keep the speed up on that little left-to-right putt to that hole, which we've all had a million of those little putts, it'll go hard towards Ray's Creek. Tiger kept the speed up and knocked it right in the middle.
2: Yeah, that's a, that sounds...
3: Yeah, so it was a huge turnaround. People always say to me, did you think it was won by that? I said, well, of course not. I think I think we're tied for the lead at the time. And then by the time we get out to the fairway on 13, they got the big board on 14 t so that's the first time you see the board in a couple holes. And you can see, I think at the time, either Cantley or Shoffley had both taken a one-shot lead over Tiger. And as everyone knows, the last six, seven holes, they're going to set up the golf course to be had if you can hit the right shots. So I know in the back of my mind, we still got to execute, hit a lot of good shots, and they're still got to make some birdies because these guys in front of us are going to make birdies, and maybe even the guys with us are going to make birdies.
0: Right. So as you're going down the stretch, specifically, like even like the 18th hole, what's going through – your mind in terms of strategy because i'm forgetting how much he was up going to the last hole but i think he just had to make bogey right
3: as it turns out he was he got to 14 by birding 16 and played a really solid 17th hole so he did have a two-shot lead on the tee box and then we knew brooks was in front of us and we got out there in time to see brooks making hitting his birdie putt and not making it so we knew at the time before tiger had his second shot that he had a two-shot lead and five was going to do it yes Strategy-wise, I'm mean, going to hit a 3 wood off the tee, which was perfect. Um, it's one of those things where it's, it's funny because I'm certainly not Joe Caddy, but when I walked the golf course the Sunday morning before, I, I kind of noticed, and I really don't know if I picked up on it or not in years past, but I noticed that if you hit in the fairway on the very right side on 18, you're not blocked out but you got to hit a decent little cut because the tree overhangs there a little bit on the corner, especially if you hit 3 wood, You're a little further back, so it's hanging over even a little bit more. So when we got out to the ball, you know, I'm giving him all the numbers. He knows he needs to make a five. And I tell people the same thing. As the crow flies, the ball only went about 130 yards with an eight iron. But Tiger always knew he had to be sh- – well, not had to be. The best spot to miss was short right. You can easily make five from there. And I think – I've never asked him this, but I think to this day, you know, when he went to take the eight iron back, in his mind, I think he was thinking, you know what, anything but a straight ball here. You get – Over slicing will work, but you cannot hit a straight ball because if you hit an eight iron with a straight ball and you almost like pull it instead of slicing it, it's going to go even further. So now you're up to the left. We had rain, a bunch of rain on Tuesday, So it's not muddy, but it's still dicey to the left of the green. You're short side yourself. That's the last spot you want to be. You can make an eight from over there, especially off a muddy lie. So he hit it so high and on the toe, like I said, it went the equivalent of like a wedge as the crow flies. It was right where he wanted. I think he wanted it probably 10 or 15 yards closer to the green. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't in a bad spot. And then he made an easy chip up there. And then to be honest with you, you know, we hit that little putt for par and he never, ever does this. I've seen him win a million tournaments. And if he has a seven footer that he needs to win to two putt, he'll knock it down there, you know, an inch or two. To see this ball go by, you know, a foot to a foot and a half, I was I am not gonna say I was a nervous wreck, but I'm like, man, what are you doing? You never do this. What are you trying to do? And I thought uh, to myself, well, maybe he wants to make sure he's below the hole, but that doesn't make any sense. The guy's the greatest player in the world and he can't, you know, he hits a seven foot or a foot and a half by. You saw Scott Hoke miss one back way before your guy's time, but it can be missed, but he knocked it in the rest is history.
0: Yeah, you you can sell that with Matsuyama this year. Um he like knocked it like, you know like a foot by and I, it made me even a little bit n- nervous right. just watching that just exactly. like the last hold of the masters anybody go, like, exactly. needs a Anything butt like that happen.
3: exactly exactly yeah.
0: right. right and then so the moment after you know tiger hugs charlie there's all there's he's with his family what's going through your mind like is it just like redemption because obviously like he's come all the way back um yeah is, is, is what's going through your mind there
3: a few things i mean the the fact that um, he, you know, he shook hands with the other players and caddies and I want, kind of wanted to be last and let that go. And then the fact, the first thing he says to me is we did it. You know, that's a pretty incredible feeling for, you know, a friend slash caddy for him to think that way instead of just hugging me and say, you're all right or whatever. Just the fact that he said we did, it was awesome. And then it got even better to see him go in the back of the green there and hug his kids. Um, he talked about that that morning, they flew up in the morning. Um, he was so excited to see them win, you know, his favorite tournament. And a major, because so I think the last time he won one, I don't even know if they were around to be honest, but I don't know how old they are, but I know how old they are, but I don't think they were around back when he won his last major. So, and he knows, you know, time is, I wouldn't say running out, but he's getting older. This was going to be an opportunity he wanted to capitalize on, uh, but to see him hug it out with them was incredible for me, you know, being a dad and stuff like that and knowing how much it meant to him. Uh, people have no idea the work that he put in just to get to where he was, just to be able to play golf again, um, let alone at that level. And I know he worked extremely, extremely hard the week before down in Florida. Um, and like I said, you know, at 45, 46 with a bad back and already having won 14 majors, you know, most guys could pack it in, but Tigers always going to outwork you. He can't work like he used to because he physically can't do it, but he's still going to find the time to outwork you. Um, and going through my mind, look, just happy for him, happy for myself, happy for golf. I mean, it was just a great moment. And I think people call it the. You know, the greatest comeback in, you know, sports history. I'm not, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it has to be right up there with everything else. Definitely.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you talk about like, that's like one of the, like one of the greatest moments like for you and for Tiger. Like is, do you think the, you, with your son caddying for Charlie and Tiger and the PNC father's son, do you think that's up there for one of the greatest moments for you and for Tiger as well?
3: For sure. I mean, you know, when Tiger and I text, he still talks about that weekend. Um, you know, when, when Tiger first told me he was thinking about playing it, first thing he said to me is, you know, and Joe, of course, Joe Jr., of course, is going to work for Charlie. He said, if Joe can't make it down, we're not playing. You know, that's just how adamant he was about Joe playing. And Joe, my son, came to uh, the PGA for the weekend in 2018, and him and Tiger kind of hit it off. Um, and they become, you know, pretty good buddies. So the fact that he thought of Joe to work for Charlie, and then to see those two get along so well, like a lot of the times, well, every time, the teams were further back, so my son Joe and Charlie would go up front, you could see them going back and forth talking strategy. And it's funny. The kid at the time was only 11, but, um, you know, he's asking questions like, what's it to carry that bunker like a regular pro would do? And he's got his golf IQ is through the roof. And to see those two interact, it was pretty incredible. And obviously for Charlie to play as well as he played at 11 years old, to me, was amazing. I mean, I know the kid can play, but, you know, he's got cameras on him now. People, The whole world's watching him, stuff like that. But he didn't bat an eye and played fantastic and you know tiger will always put it you know like on me being down with my son and stuff like that but i know it meant a world to him too obviously so if having four of us out there and then play with the thomases the first day was just fantastic
0: right yeah that was that that was awesome to watch just like as a a bystander i feel like everyone like unanimously loved that
3: right hard not to like it right
2: yeah
0: Uh,
3: everyone's
2: comparing themselves to like if they're better than charlie woods and he when he's 11 years old and we're 22 trying to compare it, see if we can beat him even straight up. It's right. It's,
3: exactly. it's amazing. It is. It's fun to watch. It's great.
0: So I have a little bit of a different question. Sure. So uh, I've caddied for Trevor for two, uh, like qualifying events for the Connecticut open. I'm currently 0 for two as a caddy. We have, we haven't done it yet.
1: You might need to make uh, a change. Uh, yeah. the
3: bag. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> say he brings you along for a round, a competitive round, how positively are you influencing his score, or even just a, a any golfer's score?
3: Right. Well, it sounds like um, you know. I tell people that are good golfers, like Trevor, uh, at the amateur, you know, age. Every stroke is so important. So you know, I I'm, I'm a big fan. If you're in a bad spotter in the rough and stuff like that, <coughs> uh, excuse me. Chip it out, lay it up, and live for another day. You know, make, make a par, make a bogey. Don't try to be your hero kind of thing. Um, and I think you're, you're a good buddy, so you probably have fun out there. You're probably keeping it positive, too. So I don't know if I'm going to help them that much because <clears throat> I think at that age, it helps to have a younger guy and a friend working for you so you're comfortable. I'm not Joe Caddy, but I think sometimes I make people nervous, like when I play golf with them and stuff like that. They the caddy, or, you know, if I'm in a group or they're caddy and right. stuff like that. And There's no need to be, especially when they see my game. Um, but I, you know, I think I could help a little bit here and there, you know, maybe reading some putts, you know, you said you're a decent golfer I don't know how much mm-hmm. you play. Um, I think that's one thing that I do. Okay. You know it doesn't always translate to me making putts. And I think that's why actually Tiger trusts me, um, with reading greens, because he's seen me put down in his backyard. We've had putting contests and I put a little bit here and there and, you know, he, he, he knows the rest of my game's not very good, but he knows I can putt. So he trusts me with that. So I think I could probably help a little bit there because you'd be surprised, you know, I'm sure Trevor reads them. Well, and I, like I said, you don't play much golf or it doesn't sound like you play a ton of golf. Um, I think that's something you're born with. And I was fortunate, fortunate enough to kind of have that gene, I think.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You definitely help with the, uh, the reading of the greens. I'm more, I'm more or less just there for moral support. Yeah. yeah no, Go ahead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, unless you guys have anything else to ask, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, we hope that we see you at a tournament soon in person, um, you know, back on the bag.
3: Of course. Well, I appreciate it, guys. If you have more questions, great. If not, you want to wrap up, that's fine, too. But uh, you guys were fantastic. Good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you, Thank so, you much, so much. Thanks, guys.
0: Yep. Really appreciate it.
3: You got it. You guys all going back home, so you'll all be kind of hang out again together. Or are you guys
1: going somewhere else for jobs and stuff? I think be determined, right now, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think as of right now, I think this summer, I think we'll all be back home. So okay. that's good, and at least play some golf together. But other than that, I mean, I mean, we we don't really know exactly what we're going. Be determined gonna whether we, we get yeah. jobs.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a shame none of us have a cousin uh, who plays uh, professional PGA tour. So. Yeah, that's so true.
3: <laughs> it's all about who you know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly but my son actually gets off graduates friday so we're leaving tomorrow too and he i think is going to caddy at wingfoot just oh really to have a little fun over the summer before he even kind of looks you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah you know, i can see that a great, yeah it's not a, a bad place. thing to do you got to work
0: yeah i've worked at silver spring where, where trevor obviously belongs and uh uh i might do that this summer just you know have yeah. a little
3: fun like, all right i'll let you guys go i'm sure you got stuff to do yeah. Thank you, know, but thank you. again, yeah, thank so, you so much, much for coming Anytime on. This guys. Been, Enjoy the awesome. summer. Maybe I'll see you over there. Yeah. Yeah. Fully.
2: Definitely. We'll still hope, hope to see you soon.
3: You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank
0: you. Bye. All right. That was Joe Lacava. Thanks again to him for coming on. That was just you know. I'm. I you just listened to it. I'm. I'm sure you realized that was also pretty. That was pretty special. So. Uh,
1: yeah. Unreal. I had uh, so many great stories. I
2: yeah. Mean, yeah. He's been guys. Been guys. Been everywhere. Knows everyone. Pretty much. Like it's. I mean, the stories, the masters, Freddie Couples, sto- Freddie yeah. Couples stories, Tiger stories are unbelievable.
1: We toss him a question; he just hit it out of the park every time.
2: Yeah, like, he's yeah. funny, personable, like great guy, all around, amazing guy. Let's get
0: into the stat of the week before we move into uh, our picks.
1: Yeah, so stat of the week. So uh, I just like read up on this and I f- found this. So Rory McElroy has never gone over par in the first round of an event that he won until this week. So this week he went 72, 66 68, 68 to win. So this was the first of his, I think, 19 wins mm-hmm. that he went over par in the first round and won. So and having
0: 19 wins by in, in, in general is a crazy stat. Not not because of how impressive it is, it is impressive, but because of how many tiger has right you're like yeah, oh so that's not every time every <laughs> time rory rory
2: every time I see something oh someone's won 10, 10 times you're like oh they're really really good and then you realize tiger has eight times that like, like in his career like that's yeah, he literally yeah, just unbelievable like events
1: like this is the first time that rory won three straight events we said earlier or not three straight three of the same event um, and like tigers on that, that for like, um, like a lot of events. Newer,
2: new worst. <laughs> he's won like six, even like events, like six times. Like it's, exactly. it's unbelievable. Like three or four of them, six times. Yeah. And then, so
0: do we want to move into picks or actually also another crazy stat? He was 52 for 52 from six feet. And in.
2: That was the other one I was going to, that's, think. that's if Roy can do that, oh, he's going to win every t- every single time, every yeah. single time.
0: yeah Yeah. so let's get into the DraftKings picks and our skins segment
1: all right so skins course preview really quick um at&t byron nelson we have tpc craig ranch the first time that a pga tour tournament is being held here um there has been a couple corn fairy tournaments um it's a Par 72, 74, 68. So, relatively long course. All the par fives are between like 550 and 570. Um, and the field's really strong this week. So, you have uh, Burks Kepka and Hideki Matsuyama returning for the first time since the Masters. Um, Bryson's playing this week. Jordan Spieth, John Rahm also all on the field. So, pretty good field this week. Just some key stats to look at stroke, scan, approach, um, proximity from 175 plus. Um, just based on like whole yardages and stuff like that. And then par fours gain 450 to 500. There's six par fours over 450 yards. So that's going to be really important. And then strokes gain off the tee. All right. All so right. I'll
2: start. I'll start with my pick. My picks. Uh, answer last week finished t- second. Griot, T14. But I'll go with Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell just finished second to Rory last week. Obviously, he's great off the tee. He has a couple of top fives in his last three starts and top 20 his last four. So eight, at 8,000. I think it's pretty good value for his form, at, at least.
0: Yeah. Keith Mitchell, honestly, like he didn't even really limp down the stretch. He just didn't have no. a great Sunday, but like he had a fine Sunday. Like, and,
2: and, and and Rory kind of was like, he was just he consistent. Beat, and yeah, and, yeah he, whatever it was that hard, it was, it
0: was hard to beat what he was doing. Par three was uh, that he birdied and Rory ended up having like a nice par save. That was, that was a yeah. really big birdie. That was a sick shot. Um, but yeah, Jeek, you want to go second?
1: Yeah, we'll go right down the line here. So my high guy this week, I'm going to go Scotty Shefford, 9,400. Um, he's a Texas guy. Um, seventh in par fours, gained 450 to 500, which is an important stat this week. Um, hasn't been great approaching this year, but he does make up for it. Off the tee, he's 15th in strokes, gained off the tee. He has four top 20s in, the, in his last seven starts. And you know what? Just leaning towards a Texas guy this week, I feel like you can't go wrong with any of the Texas guys.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that pick. Um, so my f- first one is Taylor Gooch, 7,900. Shout out Oklahoma State. Um, so he's coming off a T26, and he's made five of his last six cuts, so obviously he's in pretty good form. He's just been playing really well this season. Like, all around, he has really good stats. Um, you know, he's 48th in stroke scan approach and 43rd in proximity from 175 to 200 yards, um, which, like you said, is a pretty important stat at this course. Uh, so that's what I'm going with the high slash mid. It's like honestly, both my picks you can do and like still have a really good top two uh, DraftKings guys. Uh, so my low is James Hahn, 7100, and he, you know, he has actually hasn't been in good form recently. He's like missed the last three cuts, but I think this is a turn where he kind of turned around. Um, you know, it's like a new course. Nobody really has any advantage. I'd say um, he's 69th in strokes gain approach, and he's actually sixth in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. So I like the value here.
1: I believe James Hahn has a decent finish at this course um, when they played the corn fairy championship here. Oh. in 2012. So, okay. so something to something take yeah. into consideration. I'm, don't That's quote right. me on that. I'm pretty sure it's James Hahn, but could be wrong. But okay. <laughs> Well, look at me. Um. So my second pick. I'm going a little off the rails here, so, which I don't usually do, but we're going to do it this week. Um, so I'm going John Catlin at 7,200. Now you're like, who is John Catlin? Well, he's been, like horse- that. he's been a horse on the Euro Tour this year. Um, he's 24th in strokes gained approach on the Euro Tour and 9th in driving accuracy out there. Um, also 15th in strokes gained tee to green there. In the last month, so like the last three events, um, he's won the Austrian Open, and he had a fifth-place finish um, last week. I'm not even going to try to pronounce what this Open is. Tenerife? But, yeah. Tenerife? <laughs> um, So, <laughs> yeah. High risk, high reward. He's an American playing in Europe, um, looking to you know come back over to the U.S. And, and play well. So, pretty low value for a guy who's been pretty good on the European Tour. Let's see if that translates. The next
2: so. Brooks Kepka. Yes, sir. <laughs> So I'll go Milo guys. Vince Whaley. I read this. I saw some action. He hasn't, he hasn't missed a cut since February. and I've never heard of this guy before in my life for today.
1: Never heard he of hasn't. this guy in your life. So you're going to pick him, right? Yeah. And yeah. like, if and, you're and, listening
0: and to the podcast for the first time, because of like the interview or something, we're like not casual casuals, like of, of on the PGA never tour, heard like, of this guy knowledge, life. like never heard of him.
2: No, he hasn't missed a cut since February and hasn't finished worse than T34 since March. And that was T thirty six. But granted, like, granted, all these like tournaments, like he has he hasn't really finished. He hasn't finished better than than T fifteen at the dreaded Puerto Rico Open. Yeah. But uh, still, like he's finished like t- like T twenty T like like in the twenties like so many times. And if you give a guy who you've never heard of finishing T twenty every week, like you're gonna you're gonna do well in your jockey. Yeah. So. on
0: his his own, like ownage percentage or whatever you want to call it. So uh, really probably gonna be pretty low unless yeah. I mean that was on action, so maybe not. We'll see. Well, when we get um,
1: millions of people that listen to this podcast and like oh uh, true, gonna true. true. We like get, everybody's gonna take him. So
0: one point three million uh, yeah. per so sponsors, just take that into account. Um and then two, like if you if you get your that's most likely your lowest or second lowest guy, if you get him to even make the cut, that's a plus.
2: Yeah, hundred uh, yeah, and he's, he's gonna go for six for six cuts. Two twenty every like two at least t30 every single week pretty much I yeah i mean so. yeah
1: you're in DraftKings lineup you're looking for a guy at that low value to pretty much just make the cut now last week for example like i i got lucky i had rory obviously but i also had luke List who finished t6 um ended up in the money and i had two missed cuts which like is usually not how it works but no. when you have a guy at 6 8 who makes t6 it, it helps you
0: i did that yeah. once when hudson swafford won the I have no clue what he even won this summer, this past summer, but I, I did that. I had two miscuts, maybe even three and, and but he won and he was like very low owned. Um but yeah, let's let's move in to the betting portion. I'll start and we'll go back around the other way.
1: Um so I'll just clarify first of all, skin standings. Uh Trevor's at eight, I'm at eight, Pat's at zero. We have three skins on the line this week, which means that the betting line is down to minus one ten. So right.
0: Yeah, uh, so obviously, like, who do I want to win? Jordan Spieth. He's plus 1100. Of course. The value on that is like, well, I mean, yeah, he's probably going to finish really well. But yeah. I'm just I'm going more for value this week. If you want to bet Jordan Spieth, I probably will. I'll probably do it myself. <laughs> but if you just want to, you know, you want some more value and not the obvious pick. I'm going Mark Leishman at 35 to one. I kind of like love the way he's kind of bounced back this year after like kind of before this season, like in kind of like before January, he had like a weirdly long slump. Um, he's like, fi- he's fifth in proximity from 175 to 200 yards. He's just like a really good ball striker. And I was looking through his putting stats and he can get hot. He's gained like over a stroke, like plenty of times in the past couple of events. Um, so I like him. And then my best bet's going to be Scotty Scheffler top 20 at minus minus one ten. Uh, for the same reasons Jeek said, I mean, I feel like there's something about Texas, the Texas guys, the UT guys, and in, 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 in when they're playing on tour in Texas.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, obviously. Um, I'll go next. Um, I'm not going for as much value here on my winner pick, but definitely a guy could win. Daniel Berger plus 1700. Um, He's going for the AT&T double, which is slept on a little yeah. bit. He won the AT&T double beach earlier this year. So the AT&T double is in play. Okay. Um, he's 20th in strokes gain approach, 18th in proximity from uh, 175 plus. And he's been lights out putting this year, which is, I mean, something that you could take yeah. into every week and have a chance to win. Um, he has eight top 25s this year out of his 11 cuts made. And last start was a T13. So, I mean, this is just a place that I think he could win. And, I mean, with the putter that hot, he could win any week. Now, if my best bet, I'm going to go with Matt Fitzpatrick, top 20. That's even. Um, he's been top 20 in seven of his 12 starts this year. Um, he's coming off a T4 at the RBC. His approach game is not great, but strokes game total still 10th. And he's just a quality player. Um and like I said, he finished top 20 in so many events. I feel like he could do it again.
2: So I'll go with my my winner is gonna be Doug Gim, which I did look, I did see that he is the first round leader on the I was on gonna say board. that'd be un I, I originally I originally, I, I originally had Willis Alatoris and I looked at I said I saw Doug Gim. I even I even looked at see his like stroke skin approach stat. I looked at him like I'm like, hmm, he's probably pretty good, like he pretty good value. And his tenth in stroke skin approach. Uh, what was it? 20th, 20th strokes getting to green, and he's played. I feel like he's played well at tournaments like with good fields, like the players RBC Harry's was a good field too. Uh, the past couple yeah. weeks, so he, could, he could definitely win. And he's a UT guy, he played, he went to UT, right? Oh, so yeah. it Did could you, happen. Uh, go. yeah, and my, him. yeah, and my best bet will be Will's out. Torres, I was gonna pick him to win because Texas native. I think he's going to bounce back pretty well. Top 20 plus uh plus one ten, fourth fourth and strokes gain approached 10th strokes gain T degree. I think he's like, I feel like it's top heavy field. And after that is a bunch of like, guys who like, you already know, like if they're going to play that well or not. So I like, think Zalatouris could have easily finished top 20. I mean, if yeah. we, and he's Zalatouris like top 20 lock. He used to be a top 20 lock to every pack, week. Yeah, he's not, yeah. especially he, he's from Texas. Like he's not going to, he has his tournament circled on the calendar for sure.
0: If we're uh if we're going with like Texas people like I know he didn't go to UT, but Bryson, you know, he's from yeah, Dallas, I went to SMU. You, you
2: went to SMU, well, yeah. Could be, could,
0: I mean, obviously not really a hot take. I'm pretty sure he's the tournament favorite, but yeah, could true. be the Bryson week. I don't know.
1: Could be. We'll see. We'll see. And now, first-round leader, this happens every single week. Um, I put in the first-round leader early, and no one really <laughs> sees it because it's at the bottom of the document, and then yep. one person ends up doing a winner. i was like, all right, this is going to be the week. This is going to be the week where, where you don't pick a winner. That's the first-round leader. And you done did it again. Doug Gim, uh, plus 6,600 for a strong leader. He's this one was 29th. more on
2: purpose, though. This one was more on purpose. Yeah, other, other, ones, other ones were not. definitely.
1: 29th in round one score, T- 10th in strokes gained approach, like we said earlier. I mean, that's a good recipe for, for a first-round leader. Yeah, definitely.
2: And UT guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Love to hammer that. This is going to be the week that every UT player gets cut. Yeah, and, yeah.
2: and I, I, I was going to pick Sky Chef for a top 20, best off Pat had that. So, yeah. Genre. I think it's a great pick. So let's get in the clubhouse.
0: So this week we're doing the par three of golf courses that should host PGA events. If you're new, this is like kind of like it's like a dumbed down Mount Rushmore, honestly, <laughs> if you really want to kid after it. Are we going to do three each or do we want to just do one each?
1: Um, I We just can do Mm, let's do one each yeah, and then we'll have some a, honorable mentions And an honorable oh, mentions three. okay
0: yeah, um, we'll have some honorable mentions yeah yeah honorable mentions i came up with this one so i guess i'll go first and it's it's tough between the two but i'm going to have to go with the one that's like probably makes more sense or i have like 3 that it's kind of there but i'll go into those i'm going with Band and dunes yeah, well, I, just, yeah
2: they, I mean i the, mean the, they had the usam well, they had but, yeah. the
0: usam they've had they've hosted multiple amateur events they've they've hosted six I, I looked it up. And wow. you know, we watched the, I, I don't know if you guys we well, yeah, we all watched that the USm um in whatever that was June maybe. Uh, and that was just like really good entertainment, I'd say. I mean, it always is, but really good course. Mm-hmm. It went well. Uh, every tournament there has gone well, So I feel like that'd be really cool.
2: It's hard to get to, though, oh, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. really hard to get to. Jeke, you want go next?
1: Yeah, I'll go next. I'm gonna go with Seminole Golf Club. I feel like this is a place that a lot of guys belong to, and I would love to see them just absolutely make it pretty hard. And honestly, I mean, we saw it earlier in the uh, what was it called, the driving challenge or whatever it was. Driving relief. I was underwhelmed. I was underwhelmed by Seminole. I mean, I I, think Seminole was pretty good. I feel like I I feel like it could be a pretty cool course to have an event at. I mean, I wish they didn't ever will there. Um, maybe i wish i didn't have the driving relief there because that kind of like takes away from it a little bit because now we've seen it but um the walker cup was just there like last week yeah yeah, yeah but, which which, cool which to have a PGA Tour, i but. wish
2: I, I wish i watched more of that that'd be really cool to obviously i graduation, yeah. so i couldn't watch it but like that's that, that would be really cool to watch like the amateurs and H- Haggiston i plays in that too which is I think it's kind of funny because he's probably like one of the oldest guys. Yeah, well, like by I far. keep playing in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, I think it would be very interesting because a lot of like tour pros belong there and they play there a lot. So I, I kind of yeah. want to see like what, what it's like. Be in interesting.
0: Yeah. Logistically, neither of these technically make all that sense because Seminole, they have pretty much said they'll never host a major and Bandon um, is just like really hard to get to. But, you know, it's fun. It's
2: fun to think about. Yeah. And I was going to say Pine Valley I was gonna say Pine Valley or Seminole, whichever one Jake did not say. Uh,
1: the, honestly, and Pine yeah, Valley's. I mean, even, too. So, like they yeah.
2: they would they would never have a tournament like like that. They would never have like it's pretty kind of like middle of nowhere. I think I'm pretty sure like pretty hard to get to. So, never gonna happen. But we we can dream. Like we can dream something like that would happen. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, the two honorable mentions
0: I had were Tobacco Road and Sand Hollow. Tobacco Road's kind of like a weird course though. So I feel like it'd be cooler if. It, wasn't a major, but just like kind of like a like a fall swing event, um and then Sand Hollow like is legitimately just beautiful. It's very mm-hmm. close to Vegas too, so
2: yeah. I was uh, gonna say I would say Silver Mine Golf Club in uh, Nevada. Naturally, I mean, you, <laughs> enter, course, the
0: yeah, you, you yeah, enter the m- minefield.
2: You enter the minefield. Who knows? What, who else? knows they might come out with par 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 and lose a term like knows what happens (laughs) right um yeah if you make a par
0: in
1: the minefield dude that's
2: that's basically a triple bogey
0: (laughs)
1: yeah literally we're gonna have to like either boxes into somebody's like backyard (laughs) 6
0: 16 for anybody who doesn't know we've talked about this a million times but we we call the last three holes of our club at home the minefield because it's called silver mine uh 16 is like a short par four that is a par three on the PGA tour. Like there was literally two four yard par th- par uh, three this, this week. I'm pretty sure what it plays like probably. yeah. 250 they're to hanging 40. iron,
2: they're hanging iron.
0: Um, yeah. So basically a par three, but it's a par four. They're ma- making it to the bottom of the par five on 17. And they're, they're Hitting probably over the water least boat or birdie in it. If, and yeah. And then 18 probably is just like a, Pretty easy part of the bridge.
1: Yep, it's not. It's not an easy green though. I mean, no, I, I'll say the opposite of that. So I've I've done a little research, and there's a, a place called the International. It's in Bolton, Massachusetts. um This course is a par seventy three, and it's eight thousand three hundred twenty five yards from the tips. Yeah, bro, bro, there. Um, and there's a par. There's a par six. Par six, seven hundred and fifteen yards. So that's the opposite of Silvermine. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah but they're in a major or something like that.
2: They're, they're all but they're all going to get there. they're all going to go driver 3 wood 3 wood and get there their driver 3 wood but really. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 they're all going to get there. they could all get there in 3. I don't know.
0: I was looking at um the scorecard of Bannon Dunes. and I was seeing like the the ones up from the tips are like 6300 and the tips are like 6600 6700 not the, the championship tees are like 7200 yeah. but um yeah. i was like we'd probably play the 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 tips not the yeah. championship yeah. ones right like 6600 6700
2: i'd play the tips play. like it be what's silver spring 60 66 yeah okay then yeah we definitely would yeah i i I, I want to play if i play a course like that like a really good course i want to play from like a child like i want to play a tee from like that's like Silver similar to silver spring and like someone that's like gonna challenge me i don't want to play like to be like oh like i made like a hole in one i made a two on uh, uh this old I, I drove the green
0: kind of disagree i mean i don't want to like play like like, no, like i want 50 play like... 500 yards no, or like no, no, something no, no, no. but i i want to enjoy like... myself i want <laughs> to i want to
1: play... no, enjoy myself too of course I, I think the best way to think about it is i want to be playing my approach shots from where the pros are going to be playing their approach shots Where so if the t's are moved up more it just think about like okay how far do the pros hit? how far do i hit it you know yeah something like that i mean I, i'm just 60
2: 63 to 60, 66 range is like perfect in my opinion
1: like
0: for example i Anywhere was talking to mine. i was talking to bennett dial today uh and he has a uh, student pass at Torrey pines because he goes to san diego state yeah he says anytime he's played the tips it's like because he, he doesn't always but he has before and he's like it's always like a four iron or three end for me and it's just like not like that he's, enjoyable. Not, he's, he's not
2: he's not playing the
1: uh
2: no, not the super tips I
0: have a no. video that I'm gonna no he wasn't playing 7800 yeah I have a yeah, video
1: yeah. that I'm gonna post on Instagram this week it's from Tory Pines um and it's it's showing the tips of the Tory Pines and then the guy's like all right this is where the pros hit from and he walks back like 150 yards he's like all right this is where the pros hit from <laughs> but it, like it's, it's still pretty probably amazing video
0: it's still probably like a like their tips that are not the championship ones but like their tips are probably They're still long. ridiculous like probably 70 long. obviously yeah, 73 or like like 4
2: yeah, long. i don't know um, i i i would like to see, once in my life i want to play like a championship level course like us open course from the like pros tees and see just see what happens i mean with I, our career I, I want to with our I career paths happens. we might like I don't know might yeah who knows And high blows up yeah
0: next thing you know we're doing we're what it
2: does we're playing shenny shooting 105 from the for the pro tees you're right. shooting 105 me and g are yeah, shooting we're 120 twenty,
0: like thirty or something yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um but yeah anything else this week pretty good episode yeah really good episode hope you enjoyed the interview obviously we did it was amazing yep. yeah, if you're uh, if you're a golf uh, fan any listeners know you have
0: to in the golf world
2: yeah you get you get you get him listen to this like his stories are like again like just absolutely incredible i'm still like in awe of how awesome he was yeah so that was
0: that was awesome we'll try to get more guests on because i i know i feel like the people the however many people that uh do stick around like every single week there's a good amount of them um they like the guests i'm assuming they like beating the bookie they like the the monday qualifier uh, guy uh, what's his name ryan french yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah all that so we'll try to keep getting guests for you maybe some players soon we kind of missed out on wills Zalatoris, uh like you guys all know but other than that we'll see you guys next week uh and we we have the pga championship
2: major snuck up on us major very week, s- very
0: sneaky i mean i have mm-hmm. graduation weekend but I'll still try to watch as much it's as I TGA. can. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we'll see you next week for that. We'll probably have in the bookie on, uh, if not for an interview, at least for him to add in a clip. So we'll see you then.
3: Yep. yep.